his glory to be seen upon you, upon me. And um, yesterday, you know, I, I just think that, that we, we are in um, positions every day of our lives where we get opportunities to, to speak life 
uh, into people's lives. Um, not necessarily, you know, because some people are shy away from it. And I know not every situation lends itself to be able to, you know, to be able to speak to people uh, openly or, or, you know, but but even to, to um, you know... That song, I think, the blessing is so important that we realise that we have we are vessels of of the glory of God, of of the the dunamis resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and we have opportunities to uh, everywhere we go. The atmosphere should change, and people should know that there is something different about you. You know, whether you ever get to open your mouth and speak a scripture to them, they should know by your demeanour and by by the way you look at them or the way you, you, you minister uh, and, and talk to them, the way you maybe deal with them in a shop, you know, uh, people should know that there is something different about you and uh, that they can see, you know, even though that there is deep darkness on the earth, God's glory will be seen on you. Amen. Amen. Um, Tim, you'd never turn down that dial, would you? Because I think the, uh, I forgot, it, right next to you on the wall, sorry. Yeah, down to zero. Uh-huh. Thanks. But um, praise God. You know, what I did want to do was just, um, there's a song that uh, it's by a group called Jesus Culture. Yeah. And it's called Miracles. And um, it's a, you know, a very simple song. But today I was just, I usually play some songs here. Um, but I just happened to, um, sorry, I'm not going to play the song right now. But I just want to read the comments um, that were up on this particular song. And um, just to build your faith, um, you know the way people can comment on YouTube. Uh, one lady says, 10 years ago I was told in hospital that I would never be able to walk again after losing my sense of balance due to my multiple sclerosis. I have been teaching ballet again with almost five years now. God sure is the God of miracles even today. The next guy says, for six years of my life, I struggled with pornography, trying month after month to stop the addiction, and I could do absolutely nothing until I turned to God. After six months of praying with my friends uh, over this issue, my friend got a vision from God. He saw me standing on a hill in the armor of God with a flag that I placed in the ground next to me. And, you know, dreams are very significant. And I always tell people, I love hearing people's dreams. I always tell people, don't ever, uh, you know, just... Uh, cast off your dreams as being you know pizza or something because God speaks to us in dreams and visions and uh, so this man anyway basically said the moment that he told me about this vision I had a sense of peace that I have never before experienced and I knew that this battle was finished and that God had heard my cries and gave me the victory over pornography I don't know where you are in life what you are experiencing but I urge you to please pray about it bring your troubles to God and pray relentlessly never stop it it's going to be a battle it's going to be an uphill fight at times but don't stop because God is the God of miracles hallelujah another testimony here I was addicted to drugs and alcohol I had no hope left I had lost the will to live I overdosed a year ago and was dead for over 10 minutes but by the grace of God I was brought back to life without brain damage I recommitted my life to Jesus Christ a little over a month ago and I have not went gone back to my old life ever since 
Jesus has given me my hope and it's a miracle that he brought me back. He saved me and I will love him forever for that. He has showed to me through many spiritual experiences in the last 40 years since, since I have been sober. I have been transformed into a new creation and he can do the same thing in your life. He can save you too if you invite him in and you will never look back. I was lost but now I am found. Amen. Praise God. You know, and there's just one more I just want to read. I just thought it was so touching. Um, my parents are getting divorced and my friend died and my grandparents are both dead and I lost my best friend. But this song helps me so much that the Lord can do it in capitals. The Lord spoke to me and I am 11. You know, and like, praise God, a little 11-year-old child. But, you know, the thing is, is that uh, the Lord wants... There are people struggling all around you, uh, in your midst, in your family even. And the Lord calls us to pray for them, to intercede, uh, to, to cry, uh, you know, for their hearts to be turned to him and to bring light into the darkness. That's what Jesus came to do. And if you turn over the page from Isaiah 61 to Isaiah, sorry, 60 to 61, and let's read it together just to remind ourselves, because this is speaking about God's Messiah. You know, um, I think Isaiah was like written 700 years before Jesus was born. And this was speaking about him. And this was the first um, portion of scripture that Jesus uh, quoted when he spoke in the temple in Luke chapter 4. But in, uh, in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Strangers shall stand and feed your flocks. And the sons of a foreigner shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be named the priests of the Lord. They shall call you the servants of God. Amen. Is like um, what he's speaking about here is first the Messiah and then the people whom the Messiah brings the good news of the gospel to, whom the Messiah sets free, the people who are, are totally transformed and changed. And you know that beautiful verse 3, uh, to console those who mourn in Zion. So many people are in deep, deep mourning, even since their childhood. They're grieving for things that happened, grieving for, for lost things, grieving for lost expectations. Maybe, you know, somebody hoping to, uh, whatever, you know, whatever dreams or hopes. You, you talk to a little preschooler um, or, or a young, a very young child, and, uh, you know, they, they will give you the most fabulous dreams that they have for when they're when they're grown up this is what I want to be and you know it, it, it everything seems possible to them and uh, um, if you don't mind me quoting uh, Siobhan one time uh, I always remember this and I quote it often but uh, 
a lovely teacher once said to your youngest, I don't know if you remember that, uh, she quoted and she said uh, his name, uh, you know, and she said, as you know, he is wild. Oh, yeah. But life will knock it out of him. And, you know, I often think of that because uh, wild is in that he was full of fun and, and, and full of energy and, and, and full of life. And yet, how true is that? That as people go through life, you know, life knocks the stuffing out of them. Yeah. Uh, things happen, other people perhaps, you know, hurt them or wound them, speak things over them or betray them or whatever. Or maybe things don't work out the way that they had view, planned themselves. And it's like that not, life knocks out the joy out of people. But, you know, that's what Jesus came to restore. And that's why he said he... He comes to mourn, to comfort those who mourn, because that spirit of grief uh, is a dangerous thing. And people think that um, grief only comes when somebody dies. And that's not true. Because, uh, you know, I would say that the vast majority of people who are struggling with issues and problems are actually um, struggling with, with issues of grief. And uh, where a spirit of death has tried to come upon them, to, to, to break them, and to make almost like, uh, you know them have eyes of, of failure for the future but Jesus came to comfort those who mourn and that word comfort it's it's not just to say oh you you poor pet you know or whatever uh, because every time in the in the gospels where it speaks about Jesus it talks about his compassion and compassion is different to pity because pity will pat someone on the back and say I I, I really am so sorry for you but compassion will say hey what can we do together to change this what can we do? And that's what Jesus came. He came to partner with us yes. and um, to give them beauty for ashes. And we sang that song there, you know, that we will rise up out of the ashes because uh, that's what happens is as life burns people out, all, that's, all that remains are the ashes of their dreams, of their relationships, of their, of their health or whatever. And, and God wants us to bring those ashes to him so that he can breathe life back upon us and, and tr totally transform us. The garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That spirit of heaviness goes hand in hand with that grief and with that brokenness and sorrow. But Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And the brokenhearted are not, you know, some young girl who's been, or young fella who's been disappointed in love. That's not uh, the only type of, of broken heart. People's hearts get broken because of wounds and scars. And, and there's fragments. You know, the, their, their lives are, or their hearts are in fragments. And God wants to come and let his love, the ruach, the breath of God, breathe his spirit back into those fragments, those ashes, and bring back that beautiful life. Because that's what he paid for. His son paid for that. He gave everything he had just so that we could live and so we could be restored and made whole. Amen. Hallelujah. And then it goes on to say that they will be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Everything we do, everything Jesus did, he said, I do nothing of myself but to bring the Father glory. He, he spoke in John 17 and he said, you know, God, uh, I have lived and sought to bring you glory for your name to be glorified. And God, God the Father answered him and said, I have glorified all of my name. And, you know, that's what we're to live for, to bring glory to God. And you see, that's what turns a person from sin. It's what turns a person from, from you know, the old mindsets, the old bad attitudes or the old ways. Is if I want to honor and glorify God, then I won't do these things. 
You know, there's a better way of living. There's a way of living that will bring wholeness and healing. Amen? Amen. And so Isaiah was prophesying about, about all those, all of us and all of those who would believe in Jesus. They shall rebuild the old ruins. The places where the enemy has come in with, with like, you know, JCBs and, and diggers and knocked down people's lives, uh, you know, brought utter destruction. Well, it is the church's responsibility to bring life back to society, back to people's lives, to rebuild those ruins and those former desolations, the ruined cities and the desolations of many generations. Because believe me, you know, you see somebody who's, who's uh, being attacked by the enemy. He's not coming after just them. He's after their whole lineage, their children, their grandchildren. He wants to visit on, you know, uh, that curse or that destruction from generation to generation. But Jesus said, and we just spoke it there, you know, the blessing. Um, God's word says that uh, in Exodus, when he gave the commands, he said, you know, for those who love me, I will bless them for a thousand and a thousand generations. So there's, a, there's definitely a, a difference for anybody who wants to live their life for, for Jesus. So, you know, let's break bread today. And um, if you will turn with me as well to Luke chapter 1. And then I feel if, if anybody, I think we pray with people. Okay, not in this one, not in this one. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Lord, that you are the one who reveals the word of God to us. You're our teacher, our comforter. You're the one who leads us into all truth. I pray that today that you would open our spiritual ears, that you would open our spiritual eyes. Lord, we renounce anything, any deaf and dumb spirit that would stop us, Lord, from from hearing your word and from uh, taking it into us today because your word is life to us, Lord Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Um, In Luke chapter 1, And in verse um, 57, this is an account of John, who they call the Baptist, who was Jesus' cousin, sort of. Well, their mothers were cousins. And um, this was such a miracle because uh, Elizabeth and her husband, Zacharias, had no children. And they were well on in years. In fact, it says that they they were quite elderly. And um, let's read it. Now, the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy towards her, and they were rejoicing with her. It happened that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, as required by the law, and they intended to name him Zacharias after his father. I think that's very interesting, that there was such control at that time by uh, you know, the, 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 the law. People were living under the law. And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus came. He came to fulfill the law, but he came to bring grace. And uh, isn't it interesting that it says there that they came to circumcise the child, you know, without even being invited. And they intended to name him Zacharias um, after his father. Um, 
what had happened was Zacharias was, was actually working in the temple. He was a priest who ministered to the Lord. And when he went in there one day, uh, an angel came to him. And he said to him, your wife, Elizabeth, is going to have a son. And you're going to name him John. And uh, sorry, I should have actually re- read that first of all. Um, that's back in, in Luke chapter 1, just over the page in... Uh, um, verse 8 Zacharias was serving as a priest before God in the appointed order and as was the custom he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the temple of the Lord to burn incense he was, he was chosen to go in that week and, and to minister to the Lord and all the congregation was praying outside at the hour of the incense offering and an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the altar of incense when Zacharias saw the angel he was troubled and overcome with fear but the angel said to him do not be afraid Zacharias because your petition your prayer was heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will name him John you will have great joy and delight and many will rejoice over his birth for he will be great and distinguished in the sight of the Lord. And uh, he will never drink wine or liquor. He will be filled and empowered to act by the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel back from sin to love and serve the Lord their God. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him, talking about the Messiah now, in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous in order to make ready a people perfectly prepared for the Lord. And Zacharias said to the angel, how will I be certain of this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in age. Now, the angel had said, in answer to your prayer. So, you know, God knows how long ago they had prayed because they'd obviously given up all hope of that prayer ever being answered. And uh, Zacharias, like, was was saying, how could that be like? We're, We're too old to have children. And the angel replied to him and said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand and minister in the very presence of God and I have been sent by him to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Listen carefully. You will be continually silent and unable to speak until the day when these things do take place because you did not believe what I told you. But my words will be fulfilled at the proper time. And... uh, The people outside the court were waiting for Zacharias. They were wondering about the long delay in the temple. But when he did come out, he was unable to speak to them. They realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple. And he kept making signs to them, but he remained mute. And uh, when his time of priestly service was finished, he returned to his home. Now after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months, she secluded herself completely, saying, This is how the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me with favor uh, to take away my disgrace among men. Because, of course, at that time, you know, in the context of the, the culture of the society at that time, you know, it was a, a, a shame for a, a woman who didn't have a child. And, uh, you know, they were... Uh, so this is what she was saying. And what happened then was that the angel Gabriel visited Mary and told her that she was going to have a child. And, uh, you know, we won't read that right now, but then Mary went to visit Elizabeth 
And when she came to visit Elizabeth in uh, verse 40, Mary entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, her baby, this is John in Elizabeth's womb, leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered with him. And she exclaimed loudly, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has this happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And you know, that's the first person who was filled with the Spirit of God was a baby in the womb, John the Baptist. And because he was filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God came on his mother as well. And it says that, and that she was filled with the Spirit of God. And, and that's how she prophesied over Mary. She didn't know Mary was pregnant. And yet Elizabeth prophesied, you're the, the mother of my Lord. You know, what have I done that you come to me? And uh, in the meantime, her husband, my goodness, it was all vision and no sound. Well, wow, it must have been a great, <laughs> quiet house, wasn't it? <laughs> For all these months of her pregnancy, he was totally mute. You know, he, uh, <laughs> that's very interesting. But anyway, uh, because, you know, maybe it would have been that, that, he, that he would have spoken something negative. Um, and I just challenge you, you know, that it's, it's so important to realize that, you know, when somebody is pregnant and, and so many people have gone through this where, where, you know, maybe they weren't ready for a baby or, or maybe they were too old for a baby or maybe they were worried about some kind of uh, disease or sickness in the family and, and not wanting to have a child and suddenly found... And, and, and words can be spoken over children and in the womb. And, uh, you know, it's so important that we, you know, renounce those words, especially even, uh, you know, any words that were spoken over you as, as when you were in your mother's womb. And so let's do that right now. Uh, Father, I thank you right now. This is obviously uh, relating to somebody here, Father, and uh, or somebody listening on the podcast. And I just pray today, Lord, I thank you that you're the one who is our creator. You're the one who knit us together in our mother's wombs. We all have this in common. Each one of us, you know, we've all been born the same way and we're all going to die the same way. That's what the Bible says. You know, we, we, we brought nothing into the world with us and so we take nothing out with us. But the only thing we will is we will leave a legacy in this earth and, and in our children, in our, in our, in our, in our lives, in the way that we have dealt with people. You know, I always think it's so sad when you go to a funeral and you hear all these great things about the person. You say, why didn't they ever say that to them when they were alive? You know, what was, what's the point? Um, I, I love that movie, Waking Ned. And, and uh, you know, in the middle of, the, in the, middle of the, the funeral service for Ned, who won the lotto now that the whole village were involved in the scam to, to claim his ticket, because Ned would have wanted it. Uh, so your man from Lotto comes in and uh, and uh, so the guy given the eulogy has to change who he's talking about so he starts talking about his friend Michael O'Sullivan who's sitting in the in the audience and I think it's just such a beautiful you know uh, picture because so many of us have friends and have family and we have never ever spoken to them uh, or, or told them what we really think about them and, and this is so important as well in terms of uh, uh, people speaking over 
babies in the womb, speaking over even future generations, you know, um, even over our children, you know, over their children that are not yet born. And um, I think uh, it's just something that we need to pray about. So we'll say this together. Father God, Father God in, the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I renounce, I renounce and break off, and break off every, word every word of curse, of curse negativity, negativity, hopelessness, hopelessness that, was ever spoken that was ever spoken over me, over me when I was in my mother's womb, even negative diagnosis, by doctors, by doctors or by family members, by family members about, my future, about my future or about what I would turn out to be or what kind of world I would live in. I choose today, break the power of all of those words, cancel them out, and instead, I speak your word over me and over my life that you know the plans that you created me for. Plans to do me good. To give me a future and a hope. Not plans to harm me. I thank you, Father. I choose to believe your words and renounce those negative words. And if I have ever spoken negative words of curse, of doom over any other child in the womb, not yet born, even my own children's children, I renounce and break those words. I cancel them out in your name, Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus against every snare or trap that the enemy set up because of these words spoken over any one of us in the womb. In Jesus' name, I declare you knit me together. Father, you love me. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And I have a good future. In Jesus' name, amen. And it doesn't matter what age you are. You know, and, and these things are important. And the Lord brings these things to the surface at times to deal with them. You know, I, I tell you, countless people that I've heard of, even, you know, say, the youngest in a family, uh, of, of even a large family, say. And, and you know, you'd hear that, uh, or, or say, a child born with some kind of sickness or something, and, and, and people would speak over them, God, you know, would they have been better off if they... If they hadn't survived or, you know, a, a child uh, born late on in the family uh, of, of a large family or something. Do they need that now, like at their age? You know, these kind of things, they're words of course. And, and we need to be very careful because death and life are in the power of our tongues. And we need to, you know, that's why we lead a lifestyle of repentance. And that's not a word of condemnation. But the Holy Spirit does convict us to, to, to realize that our words have the power to give life or to bring death. And so we choose life in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so getting back to this. Uh, John is born in, in, in verse 57. And so um, they came 
uh, with the intention, all the, the people of the community came to the house, to Elizabeth, with the intention of naming the baby after his father, Zacharias, which they felt because he was such an elderly man that this would be a great honor for him. But in verse 60, his mother answered, no, indeed, instead, he will be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called by that name. You see the the power of the fear of man coming in here as well to play. And then they made signs to his father as to what they, that he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote as follows. His name is John. And they were all astonished. At once, Zacharias' mouth was opened and his tongue freed. And he began speaking, praising, blessing and thanking God. Then fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. And all who heard these things kept them in mind saying, What then will this little boy turn out to be? I'll tell you, you, no matter what age you are, whether you're uh, male or female, woman or man, you have no idea of the things that God has stored up for you, the things he has planned for you to do. And no matter what age you are, from, you know, we read there earlier a testimony of a little 11-year-old child who was touched and pierced by a song and who obviously, you know, has got a lot of difficult issues going on in her life. And yet God spoke to her through that song. The Lord wants to speak to you that he loves you and that, you know, who knows the things that he has stored up for you. It says in in Corinthians, eye has not seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into your heart. Let's say that together. Father God, God, I believe believe that my eyes have not seen, my my ears have not heard, heard the things that you have stored up for me, the things that you have desired desired and planned for me to do for you you. but father Father, your spirit your holy spirit Spirit is the one who will reveal those things to me i ask you today in the name of jesus would you baptize me afresh with your holy spirit and your power in jesus name Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you, Father, for that prayer and that you always answer. You always confirm your word with signs following. And I pray, Lord, for an outpouring of your, of your Holy Spirit today. I thank you, Lord, that each one of these, your sons and your daughters, even as they go today, Lord, they will hear your voice speaking to them. They will have dreams and visions, Father God. They will uh, have a knowing inside of them if, they've, if they have decisions to make, Lord, that you will show them the way to go and instruct them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So then, isn't it interesting that once uh, Zacharias got with God's program, (laughs) you know, he'd had nine long months to think about it, uh, where the Lord had shut his mouth, and uh, when he confirmed what God had spoken to him, that his name will be John, and uh, you know, John means God's gift of grace, God is gracious, and... um, he, uh, his mouth was, his tongue was loosed and what rolled off his tongue was utter praise and rejoicing for what God had done for him. And uh, in 67, now Zacharias, uh, his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and empowered by him and he prophesied. So it was you know, once he got an agreement, Elizabeth was already in agreement, you know, she was carrying the baby and, and, 
And, and when John was filled with the Spirit in her womb, she got filled with the Spirit. And now the Father is filled with the Spirit, and he starts to prophesy. And this is what he said, and this is what I felt the Lord wanted to speak to you today. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited us and brought redemption to his people. And he has raised up a horn of salvation, a mighty and valiant Savior for us. In the house of David, his servant, just as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophets from the most ancient times. You know, not one word of God's word will ever fail. We read it on Thursday night in the Zoom. Brendan read it from Kings. That not one word that God has ever spoken has failed. And, you know, it says in Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why is that important? Because God's word is true. And because what he did uh, you know, back then, what he did for the people in the old in the old covenant, what he did for the people of Israel when he brought them out of bondage of slavery, when he when he brought them out healed and delivered and set free after they had eaten that um, meat of the Passover lamb, what Jesus did when he walked this earth, everywhere he went, people touched him, people were drawn to him because they knew that there was something about him that he could heal them, and he healed them all. It says, "Well, Jesus Christ is the." yesterday today and forever we have to realize that and we have to start expecting getting to expect to see extraordinary things expecting to see God move expecting to see miracles you know uh, start looking at things with hope because the way we have been groomed in the world is to expect "Mm, I don't know will that work out will it I I, you know uh, we've been expected to have doubt and that's what happened to Zacharias and uh, you know then God shut him up and then his mouth was loosed and he started preaching this he started preaching the gospel and um, so just as he promised by the mouth of his holy prophets from the most ancient times salvation from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy as he promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the blessed the promised blessing The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness, being set apart, and righteousness, being upright, before him all our days. And you, child, he was speaking to his baby John now, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord, the Messiah, to prepare his way, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, with which the sunrise, and the sunrise there is talking about the Messiah, with which the sunrise, the Messiah, from on high, will dawn and visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in a straight line into the way of peace and serenity. Praise God. The child continued to grow and he became strong in the spirit. And until the day of his public appearance, he became John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. Praise God. But you know, that's what Jesus came as the sunrise to visit with us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and who are sitting in the shadow of death. So today as we break bread, that's what we're going to um, celebrate. That's why we, we, we take the bread and the cup. This is what, you know, is, is known as communion um, or breaking bread or the Lord's Supper. 
And what Jesus was doing, when he took the, the bread and the cup that night, he was having what they called the Last Supper, which was a meal with his friends to celebrate the Passover, the first Passover, when God delivered his people Israel out of slavery and bondage in Egypt. And the night that he did that, he told them to take a lamb. He told uh, Moses to tell the people, take a lamb and a one-year-old without blemish, a perfect lamb, and slaughter it. And take the blood from the lamb and put it over the doorposts of your homes and stay inside those homes. Because he said, you know, this was the 10th plague. Um, you can read it yourself in Exodus chapters um, like 7, 8, 9, 10, um, 11 and 12. There is all where Moses was dealing with Pharaoh. Pharaoh was holding God's people in bondage. He, he um, you, you know, it's where the word, the name the word slave driver and taskmaster came from. Um, the Jews were slaves in the land of Egypt. Uh, they weren't paid. Uh, they, were, they were made to, to uh, work and build, make bricks actually is what they were made to do. And, and they, were, they were brutally treated there um, under this Pharaoh. And the people cried to God for deliverance. And it says God heard their prayer. And he brought Moses as their deliverer. And then he got Moses to go to Pharaoh over a number of, I don't know how long, but anyway, there was a lot of plagues, so it must have been weeks and months. But uh, as he went to Pharaoh each time, he's, you know, he asked Pharaoh, would you let God's people go? God is telling you, he's warning you, let his people go. And Pharaoh would not. It said that Pharaoh's heart kept getting harder. You know, and, and this is the thing is that in the world, uh, circumstances or, or, or perhaps um, when, we, when people get a certain level of power and greed, they think they're invincible and that they're above God. And, uh, you know, this is what Pharaoh learned. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it brought utter devastation on the land of Egypt. And by the end of it, at the last plague... God told Moses, listen, put the blood of the lamb over your doorpost and stay inside your house and do not come out because the, the angel of death will pass through the land. And anywhere he sees the blood, he cannot cross. But anywhere which does not have the blood over the doorpost, there's death and destruction visiting those houses. And that was the last plague for, for Pharaoh. And God delivered his people he protected them. He preserved them. All the while, while those plagues were going on in Egypt, um, there was, you know, gnats and the, the river turned to blood and, and uh, there was frogs and there was a, a plague of darkness. And every one of those plagues, it says, you know, but in Goshen, where God's people were, they had light. But in Goshen, their livestock were, were held, kept safe. But in Goshen, where God's people were, uh, you know, they did not have those plagues of gnats or whatever. And you see, there is a difference between those who serve the Lord and those who don't. And this is what the gospel is. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to bring good news. And uh, praise God. When he was breaking the bread that night with his friends around that table, what we call the Last Supper, they were celebrating that Passover meal because God told them, celebrate this Passover every year. It will be a special day for you to remember God's goodness. 
Well, on the night that Jesus took this Passover meal with his friends, he said he gave them the bread. He broke the bread. He gave thanks to, for the bread to God. And he broke it and gave it to each one of them. And he said, take this bread because this is my body, which will be broken for you. And so Jesus was about to go to the cross. And this is so important for us to understand. And, it, you know, it's, it's, it's a high thing. Uh, it's a, a drink of juice or water and it's a piece of bread. Okay, that's all it is. It's a symbol. Just like at Valentine's Day, we have uh, love hearts everywhere. And we know that when we see a love heart, it's symbolic of love. You know, when you see a Christmas tree, it's symbolic of Christmas. Well, Jesus was giving them this bread as a symbol of his life that he was about to lay down and that he was about to be brutally uh, beaten beyond all recognition so that we could be healed. And that's why we take the bread. It's not some, you know, just ritualistic, oh, look, it's, it's Sunday, it must be church, oh, yeah, and, and, and we'll take communion. Listen, don't ever disregard it as a common thing. Praise God, because uh, it's not that there's something special about, you know, uh, the, the bread you're taking or the drink. It's not. What, what is special is what you're remembering. And that's why he said, every time you do this, remember me. Do it in remembrance of me. And uh, his body was broken so that our bodies could be healed. And we, you know, have to understand that uh, when Jesus was beaten... When they took that, that whip, they tore his body apart with it. It wasn't, you, you know, what people normally see depicted in, in, in pictures and stuff of, you know, just his body with a little piece of white cloth around his, his private parts or something and he just, you know, lying there with one little trickle of blood. It, that, that's not what, what communion is. And... It, we have to wash out our thinking from the, the religiosity and the lies and deception that have, people have been groomed with all their lives, which has diminished and taken away the power of the cross. Okay? And so this bread that we eat today, we're eating uh, to remember that Jesus took our sicknesses. He took our pains. He took our sorrows. He took our disfigurements. Those things that have crushed you, that have broken you, whether it's a physical sickness or whether it's an emotional or a mental thing, whether it's, it's something in, in, in your relationships, uh, perhaps some kind of abuse from the past. Uh, Jesus bore the price on his body for those things so that we could be healed. And that's why we take the bread. Amen? Amen. Um, in Isaiah 53, it says... Uh, I'll just read it for you. In Isaiah 52, uh, verse 13, it says, Indeed, my servant, the Messiah, will act wisely and prosper. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were astonished and appalled at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man, and his form marred more than the sons of men. Um, it says in another place in, in Isaiah 52 that the people will be so horrified at what they see on the cross that they will turn their faces away. 
Normally, the culture of that time uh, was to go out and to, to look at the people who were being crucified by the Romans. It was just a, a, a cruel and, you know, uh, I don't know, heartless kind of society. But uh, what you often found as well was that people would go out and oogle at the men, naked men on the cross. But it says that when they saw Jesus, they actually had to turn their eyes away. Because his visage and his body was marred more than any other person who had ever been crucified. Because they gave him such beatings. He was beaten three times by three different battalions of soldiers. You know, and, and that beating wasn't just, you know, an old fist. It was whipped. His body was ripped apart. And then they nailed him to the cross. And so he did not look like a human being on the cross. He looked like a hunk of meat. And the reason that that was done to him was for the healing of our bodies. And it says in 53, in verse 5, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we were healed. Um, our iniquities there are the, the things coming down the generations, the sins coming down the generations, or the, the sort of <coughs> bent uh, towards a certain sin uh, that a person would have. You know, those things that are kind of hidden. Um, he was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace. You see, Jesus' name is the Prince of Peace. And he came to bring us peace, peace with God. Peace with other human beings and peace with ourselves. And so that peace that we can walk in today was paid for by him at the cross. When they mashed that crown of thorns into his head, when they mocked him, when they reviled him, when they spat at him, when they pulled out his beard. All of those things he endured were so we could be healed. God doesn't just want you to be healed from sickness. It's not just cancer. He wants you to be healed from emotional disorders. He wants you to be healed from, from everything that the enemy has used to torment you with. You know, he wants you to be healed from sore ankles or sore elbows or sore knees or sore ears. He wants you to be healed uh, from top to bottom in, you know, your spirit, your soul and your body. And so it was a, that was a full measure that he paid for with his blood. Amen. So let's take the, the bread. Lord Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. I believe you are the Son of God, that you died on the cross to pay for my sins, and that you were beaten and brutalized so that I could be healed, so that I could receive healing in my physical body, in my mind, in my heart, in my relationships, in every part of my life. Lord Jesus, I declare that you are Messiah. You are the Passover lamb. And you paid the price with your blood. I take this bread today to remember your sacrifice, what you did for me. And I rejoice that I have been set free because of your love. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be a light and bring your love and your peace everywhere I go. 
In Jesus' name. Amen. You can take the the bread. Now we take the cup. And we pray again together. Lord Jesus, on the night you were betrayed, you took the, the cup and you shared it with all of your friends. And you said, take and drink. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant, bringing righteousness, forgiveness of sin, and right standing with God. To all of us, we didn't deserve it, but Jesus, you paid the price so that we could be forgiven. I ask you to cleanse me from all of my sins, and I thank you for turning my life around and transforming me to use me to bring glory and honor to your name. I take this cup. And I proclaim your death until you come again. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. You know, it says in the Word of God, uh, Paul spoke in, in Corinthians chapter 11, and he said, when you take the cup and when you take the bread, examine yourselves. And uh, he said, many are weak, many are sick because they have not rightly discerned the body. And uh, it's so important, you know, forgiveness is so important. And walking in righteousness, what does righteousness mean? It means right standing with God. And like I said earlier, if you want to, if you, if you love somebody, you're not going to do anything to mess up that relationship. You're going to, you're going to honor them. You're going to, to uh, you know, uh, act and behave and talk properly to them. But, um, praise God, we could never make ourselves right with God. There is no way that any human being could ever live on this earth without sinning. Because God said, all have sinned and fall short of his glory. So he sent Jesus, his son, to come down to pay the price for our sins so that we could be restored to Father God as if we had never sinned. And so that when God looks at us then, he sees, he doesn't see our sin anymore. It says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has the Lord removed our sins from us. We didn't deserve it, uh, you know, but God in his gracious love gave it to us. And that's what being born again means. When somebody comes to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I cannot do it myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot live on this earth without you. I need you. And Jesus said, what happens then is that your spirit is changed and reconnected to God. And because of Jesus' blood washing away our sins, we are made right with God. So let's pray together because he wants us to know him, but he also wants us to walk in his ways. We'll just say this together. Father God, I thank you that you sent Jesus to die in my place, to bring me back into right standing with you. That's what righteousness is called. Jesus, your blood cleansed me from all unrighteousness, and you have forgiven me. 
So in the same way now, I choose to forgive those people, anybody, living or dead, regardless of who they are or what they did to me. You know all about what happened. But Father, today, as I stand before you, washed and forgiven, I choose now to forgive those people who have hurt me, the ones that I have held offense towards, even people who are offended at me. I choose to forgive them and release them. I pray, Father, for your mercy for them. I pray that their hearts would be turned to you and that they too would be healed and that they would come to know you. Lord Jesus, as their Savior and the Prince of Peace, I thank you for filling me and transforming my life with your peace and your joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And now I just feel to uh, pray. Father, I pray today for every spirit of heaviness in the name of Jesus, any spirit of dread or anything like a blanket that has come down on anybody's lives here, Lord, any blanket of heaviness or sorrow or, or uh, torment, anything that's tormenting in any way, dread even, Father God. We just take authority over it right now. We just say this together. Father God, Father God I, loose myself I loose myself and come out, and come out from, under from under every garment or, or blanket of heaviness, of despair, discouragement or depression. I renounce it and sever every covenant, even anything coming down the generations upon me that has brought heaviness. I break it off my life and I choose instead joy. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You are for me. You are with me. You will never leave me. You are the God of miracles. You're the same yesterday, today and forever. You never change. And your love for me will never fail. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I just thank you now for touching and bringing your healing power, Lord. Oshanara Kutara Bliedra da Bo, Ontara Bliedra da Ho, Shandara Bliedra da Ko. Hallelujah, Jesus. I praise you, Lord. We, we proclaim all heaviness to go in Jesus' name. What you might do is stretch out your hand to the people near you there, if you don't mind. Or if, if there's someone close to you, you can put a hand on their shoulder. Hallelujah. Worship is